Pray with me. Pray with me. Yes, Lord, we confess. There's just no one like you. Incomparable God. We pray that in these days, especially in these difficult days in our city, when so many have lost so much and others feel guilty that we've not lost anything, that you would remind us again that all of us have been rescued by your grace, for your glory, through the blood of your only Son, we have been redeemed and rescued for your glorious kingdom, for your greater plan, for the salvation of all peoples. And I pray, Lord, that this song we're singing, this faith we're singing would become reality. We believe greater things are yet to come and greater things are still to be done in this city because there is no one like you. And thank you, God. Thank you for giving us a front row seat to glory. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, of uh, helping families clean their homes and Lord, help us to grieve and to mourn with those who mourn right now. There's a lot of sorrow in this city right now. We weep with those who weep. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to rejoice with those who rejoice. That you would make us your body, Lord, for such a time as this, your people are in this city. Don't let us miss this moment, Lord. Don't let us miss this chance, not just to talk about your love gently, but to show it vividly so that in radiant color, people see that we are your people. We are the people of God called by your name, bought with a price, belonging to you. You're the the king of this this people, you're the Lord of this this royal priesthood, this holy nation that is the church. And we love you, Lord, and we're grateful that you invite us once again back to your table. And we come to you, Lord, asking for your grace to abound to us and to transform us into gracious, grace-giving people. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Please be seated. Thinking about the people in Florida this morning who are about to go through what we've been going through. Thinking about uh, the people with the wildfires up in Washington State and the earthquake in Mexico and then a hurricane on top of that and I just believe that it's immeasurably good for God's people to come together at least once a week, right? Perhaps our songs are richer and our worship more desperate today because we know what God has done for us and we know how he is working. And I pray that it is well with our souls, but we can look around our world and see that it's not well with our world. We continue to grieve. Those of you who lost so much in this city Um, the misery index is high and how do we process this? I 
I uh, walked through Memorial Glen yesterday and just looked down some of those streets that go down to the bayou. And I told Melanie when I came home, there's sheetrock and furniture higher than my head all the way down each street, both sides of the street. And I know that some of you have been working. Many of you have taken the time or had the time to go into homes and pull out sheetrock. Bless you. I know our students have been involved in that. Thank you. Thank you for living out the gospel. Jerome and Jan have been connecting our families. We think we have almost 200 families in our church who had water in their homes. And if you know of one that we're not in touch with yet, please let us know. We're still discovering. And some of the people who are hurting the worst haven't been able to get in touch with us or haven't. We've been the last thing on their mind. So uh, let's continue to live out the gospel. The losses are great, especially the lives lost in this city. One of our members lost a cousin over in Vider. Um, we, we grieve with her today, Nancy Pipes, uh, greater even than the grief is our gratitude for so many, many lives spared in the midst of this uh, devastating storm. And, you know, I loved our pink t-shirts when we served the city for that Saturday morning, but we prayed back then, God, make this an everyday event. And God has answered our prayer. We're getting to serve the city every, every day. And as I go through the neighborhoods, one image that struck me yesterday as I was just walking through the neighborhood was the watermarks. You've seen them on the walls, on the brick outside, on a basketball goal. Watermarks everywhere. And I was just thinking, that is the line of misery and pain. And then I wondered, um, how high did the water get in our souls? What did it do to us? And I've learned about tragedy that it will reveal something about us. It will tell us more about who we are. For instance, in our continuing series, God on a Mission, we come to the story of Jonah today, and Jonah went all the way under. Remember <laughs> when they threw him overboard? He went all the way under, down, down, down to the depths, swallowed, and there came repentance, and he sought the Lord, and God gave him a second chance, and he took that second chance. But somehow, as we'll see today, that experience didn't do in his soul. Have you noticed that these kinds of events will bring out the best in some and the worst in others? And what are we to make of that from the gospel? Please open your Bibles with me today to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. You know this story. I don't think it's really about a fish. I know there's a fish in there. I, I, you know, I, I think it's about God. <laughs> It's about God's love for all people, and this is our focus, participating with God on his mission in the world. Let's stand together and hear the word of God today. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, after, um, after the king of Nineveh not only repents, but, but requires the people to repent, you read it this week, he requires the animals to repent. They put sackcloth and ashes on the animals. And verse 10 says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. 
He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it, is it right for you to be angry? That's a good question, isn't it? Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant, but at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've, you've been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Jonah says, I knew it. I knew it. You remember his story? You remember that God, the sending God, sends Jonah from Israel to Nineveh. Nineveh will become a fierce enemy of Israel in the future. There will come a time when the Ninevites, the Assyrians, will come in and conquer the people of God, the northern kingdom, and take the people into captivity. And and God speaks to his, his servant Jonah a real person, read in 1 Kings chapter 19, Jonah, uh, the son of Amittai. He's a real person and God speaks to him and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and proclaim judgment on them because their sinfulness has come up to me. And, And Jonah, unlike Isaiah who said, here am I, send me, Jonah says, there I was, send somebody else. God tells him to go Uh, To the east, he goes to the west. We think Tarshish was somewhere maybe down on the coast of Spain, but he was supposed to go back toward uh, Asia, and he doesn't do it, and and in the middle of this, God is relentless and pursues him like the hound of heaven. Jonah finds out what we find out. If you ever decide you're going to run away from God, just know this, you can run but you can't hide. And God finds him on a ship in the belly of the ship. He's asleep. It reminds me of that story of Jesus being asleep on a boat. And here is Jonah down there and they get his attention. And the the sailors who are pagans believe more in God than Jonah does. They say, Jonah, call on your God. And, And so he asked them to throw him overboard and And then he swallowed, you know that story. But somewhere in the belly of the fish, God gets his undivided attention. He goes down, 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 till when he hits bottom, he finally looks up and he repents and God forgives and God gives him a second chance. Our God is the God of second and third and fourth. Which chance are you on? 
Don't miss that chance. And finally he obeys and he goes. And he must have preached one serious sermon because this is one of the greatest revivals in history. These people knew nothing about his God and he preached judgment and they all repented and God decided not to destroy the city. And Jonah said, I knew it. I knew if I preached you wouldn't destroy them. You're such a gracious, compassionate God. I just can't believe the way you love people. And if you're not going to kill them, just let me die. It's almost like a a comic, isn't it? He's almost a caricature of a person. If we didn't know ourselves so well, we might say, well, this person really isn't a real person. But in fact, he's got this deep hatred for the people of Nineveh. And it bothers him that God loves the people. And so... God begins to work in him again. God asks him two questions that I think are very significant. First, do you do right to be angry? Is it a good thing that you're angry? And Jonah's answer is, it is a great thing that I'm angry. I have every, you know when you get mad and somebody says, are you mad, bro? And you say, I'm mad and I have a right to be mad. Because most of us, when we're mad, think we're right to be mad. I'll just tell you about my anger. I won't talk about yours today. Not much of it is righteous. At the time, I think it is. Not much of it is righteous. And God sends him, God sends him a a plant to shade his head. Then God sends a worm. Then God sends him a love note that says, are you kidding me? You're concerned about a plant that shaded your head from sunburn? Shouldn't I care about this great city? It turns out the gospel is God loves people more than anything. God not only has the whole world in his hands, God has the whole world in his heart. And he wants to save. So John would write down these words, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. It turns out God does not capriciously condemn. He does judge sin. But he doesn't capriciously condemn. But he does sovereignly condemn save. And here's the amazing news. He lets us be a part of it. God is on a mission, so by definition, the the people of God, the body of Christ, we're on the same mission. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, or even if you don't, is to love all the people that God loves. Listen to his questions. Do you do the right thing by being angry? And I wonder, when I think about Bob Pierce's words, and he said, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Maybe tragedies like we've been through reveal something about who we are. And the question is, are we angry at the same things God is angry at? Or we're just angry? Because we live, I think, as a culture right now. Years ago, Murray Bowen, a a psychologist, a, a, a good thinker, said there will come a day of societal regression when the immaturity of the nation is such that at every level of society there will be an anxiety that rises 
into anger. And those who study our brains, neurologists, neuroscientists tell us that the same part of your brain that produces fear will also produce anger. It'll produce fight. It'll produce flight. It'll freeze you. It works in ways that are not helpful, especially helpful in times like this. And Jonah was afraid God was a loving God. And then his fear turned to anger. And if we're not careful, events like the ones we've been through will bring out the very worst in us. I have a preacher friend here in town who is doing a lot of good. Long about Labor Day, Facebook, he just vents and he says... I can't believe you people who are sending me happy things about Labor Day. If you're sending happy things about Labor Day, unfriend me now. I don't want to hear one more happy thing about Labor Day. Down here in Houston, we're trying to save the city. And I just sent him a little note and said, you okay, bro? You all right? I'm with you. I'm for you. We're, we're, we're in this together. And what I know is that when God looks at 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 Jonah and says, are you mad, bro? And he says, yeah, I'm mad, and I have every right to be mad. And even as he's talking, he realizes, but God's not mad at people. God hates sin, but he loves sinners. That's why he sent his only son into the world. Look, Jonah's not alone. Remember James and John, those two sons of thunder before grace completely permeated their souls and the Samaritan city doesn't want to hear about Jesus and they reject Jesus and his message and John and James, you know, they, they want to be in the fireworks business and they say, so God, can we just like incinerate the city? Jesus, would it be okay if we just call down fire from heaven? And I love Jesus' answer because it's so simple. He just says, no, no, we're not going to destroy the city. You, no, you can't call down fire. It's in the story of the prodigal son. We love the story of the son who comes home. But the son who stays home and gets mad that his dad forgives somebody who's done what his little brother has done, I tell you, he makes me nervous. Because when I look in the mirror, sometimes I see him. And that anger at sinners is not from God. And so God calls him to account and says, are you angry and are you doing the right thing to be angry? And Jonah doesn't answer him. Jonah just goes and builds his little hut on the side of the hill, hoping God will change his mind. But I love what Elizabeth Actemeyer, she says, she says, so God is incorrigible. He won't learn a thing from us. He refuses to hate the people we hate. He refuses to be angry at the people we're angry at. I wonder what these days are revealing about our hearts. It's good to look inside and ask, why are we angry? So my mom went home to be with the Lord last night about midnight. Got to spend an amazing week with her this week. She taught me a lot of things, a lot of things. And I'm pretty sure when I was a little kid one time, I was venting about something, about somebody, about something they had done. And she looked at me and she said, Dwayne, there but for the grace of God, go I. It stayed with me. When she was young, she was in Mission Friends and then in Act Teens and then, you know, uh, uh, she, Girls in Action and then Act Teens. She did all that. And at some point in her teen years, she said, I'm going to be a missionary. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But on her 18th birthday during her senior year, she eloped to Claude, Texas and got married. 
And about 10 months later, she had a son. And then about 17 months later, she had another son. And about 24 months later, she had me. And then about eight and a half years later, she had a, another son. She thought she was too old to have a baby at 30. And now she's got four sons. And it's hard to be a missionary when you've got four sons. But God is amazing. Because he made her a missionary to her four sons. And, and we, we circled around her this week. And we sang to her. And we prayed over her. And we just read scripture and prayed it over her. The hospice nurse said, I don't know why she's still here. My sister-in-law said, she's loving you guys, loving on her so much, she's not going anywhere. (laughs) She's going to stay right here. And the beauty of her life was God, in his amazing imagination, took our family through the military and placed us in Germany and mom got to be a foreign missionary in Germany for eight years taking us and all of our friends in our Buick station wagon to church Rene Mitsusawa became a Christian he lived just upstairs from us his little brother Gino his little brother Georgie my friend Mike McConaughey when I was in high school became a believer because mom drove us to church and my mom (laughs) She never thought she got to be a missionary. Finally, we just said to her, Mom, you've been a missionary to us. And God has used you in that way. But I'll tell you something. It's hard to be a missionary anywhere if you're just mad. And when I look at, at the culture we live in right now, when I listen, that's why I think we need news from another network. Because all the news I hear is just angry all the time at somebody. And I know one thing for sure. God's not in anger. He's not in that. And so he says, are, are you angry? Why, should we, why shouldn't we be angry at, at, at the sinners in the world? Why, why should we be concerned? And God says in a wonderful way, the second question, he says to Jonah, shouldn't I, shouldn't I be concerned? Sent you a little plant. God's always sending something in this. He sends a storm to get Jonah's attention. He, get, he sends a fish. He, uh, he sends Jonah. He, he, look, he sends, he sends a, a plant. He sends a worm. And then he sends a wind, a Scirocco wind, to get Jonah's attention and says to Jonah, so are, are, you, are, you, are you upset about the little plant that grew and died? Are you upset about that? Because that plant was temporary, but people are eternal. And, and I care about people. So God gives him an opportunity to see his love in action. And I just, I love the way he does that. And then, isn't it interesting, he says, and, and there's a bunch of animals there too. So I don't know how to place this, and I don't want to offend any of you who love to plant things. But, but basically, and I, I love to plant things too. But basically, he says, there's, you're worried about a plant, but there are people, and there are also animals some of the beautiful stories from the last couple of weeks, people rescuing animals, that um, highway patrolman who was leading the horses out to safety, beautiful story. Um, we had our two cows over on the north side of the freeway, and for a couple of days we couldn't get there, but we had friends who could get there. And then Melanie and Casey finally make it over there in Casey's pickup, and uh, they find that the Ham Palace, that's where the pigs live, out at the Spring Branch FFA. Ham Palace, doesn't sound very good for the pigs, but... 
But there's just one pig there, and he is, as Charlotte's Webb would say, some pig. I'm telling you, he is one more great pig. But he was up to his neck in water, and so he got loose, and they were trying to save him. And and Melanie was telling me about it, and she said, we were trying to get him in the bed of the pickup. I said, how, pray tell, did you try to get a 200-pound pig in the back of the pickup? She said, well, we put a little ramp there, and we just kind of shoo-shoo, you know, shoo-shoo. And he was not having any of it. And I was like, please tell me you got this on video. Please, please tell me. I said, so, so just out of curiosity, if the pig had gotten on the ark, <laughs> um, what were you going to do? She said, I was just going to take him home. I was like, I don't think that would have gone well. I don't know how you'd have got him out. I have no idea. It's not like you just pick up a 200-pound I don't know about that. But So they built him a little place with some pallets, and they put a little ramp so if the water rose in the barn, he could get out. It turns out that, that God cares about the world that he has created. And we look around at all the suffering and, and earthquakes and, and we look at, at hurricanes and, and wildfires and we go, where is the evidence that he cares? And here's what I want you to see. God says to Jonah, shouldn't I be concerned about this great city? And I hear God saying that about Houston right now. Shouldn't I be concerned? And did you notice Jonah doesn't answer the question because he, he has no answer. It's like God just drops the mic. Like, that's all I'm going to say about this. Done. If you're going to be my people, you're going to love people. Because that's what my people do. And God gives us this brilliant opportunity. Kent Hughes tells about one of our missionaries who came home after years of serving the Lord. And and she finally had a place of her own. She had a beautiful little patio and she decorated it. She was a decorator. And uh, new neighbors moved next door to their condo there. And the neighbors were... Um, hard to get along with. They were always making noise and just weird hours of night. They had kids running around like crazy and they drove her crazy and she tried to reason with them and they were very unkind to her. And then one day, the worst part was when she came home and the kids had taken an orange spray paint can and spray painted her patio. She thought, that is it. I am done. And she went inside and she started telling God how angry she was at them. But the funny thing about telling God how angry you are against somebody is you're talking to him. And God's talking to you. And God kept talking to Jonah. And as she talked, she thought, this is, what am I going to do? And so she started loving her neighbor. She started saying, hey, can I keep your kids for a while this week so y'all can go do something? And then she invited, this is beautiful. Some of you have done this, invited her, her neighbor into her home to eat and she fed her and she got to know her and realized how difficult these people's life was and she started having compassion for them and they became good friends and there came a day when that neighbor moved away and the story of the missionary is that she wept tears of sorrow when those neighbors moved away I'll tell you why God keeps talking to us when we're mad Because he's the one who can change us. And he wants to change us. He's on a mission. He loves the people of the world. All the people of the world. And he would give us the chance to love them as well. And the same God who sent Jonah. The same God who sent the fish and the storm. And the plant and the worm and the wind. Sent his only son. God is the sending God, and the same God who sent His Son said to His disciples, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And so we go. And we love in Jesus' name. And why would we invite people to our table 
into the intimacy of relationship with ourselves when they're different from us? And the answer is because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and he invited us to his table so that we might experience his great love. Remember the old hymn, there's a wideness in God's mercy. Wider than the buffalo bayou. Story in the news this week. We live in two cities, they said. Oh, I pray that we'll be the bridge builders. That we'll build the bridges over which people can cross into relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, hear our hearts today as we come to your table. Two things we know for sure. We're all great sinners. We're not one kind of sinner and other people are other kinds of sinners. We're all just sinners. And the other thing we know for sure is you are a great Savior. And that you sovereignly save by sending your Son. So help us, I pray today, Lord, to eat this bread and drink this cup like sinners set free. Like those who've been redeemed. And I pray that something in the taste of this bread and this cup would remind us of the greatness of your grace and that it would change us on the inside by your grace, by your Spirit until we begin to love the way that you love the whole world. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.